Uh, so before we get started, though, first and foremost, I'm going to pray. So if y'all would, bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that um, tonight, God, that our first and foremost concern would be being real. God, that we would be willing to be vulnerable, that we would be willing to, God, own up to the areas of our life, God, that you're calling us to change in. God, that um, the ways that we kind of squirm under, under the light of what you're trying to teach us, God, that we wouldn't turn away from you, God, that we would turn to you, God, and that ultimately, God, that we would leave here tonight changed in a way, God, that impacts us for the rest of our life. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Um, so a little bit more about me. So I love uh, making fun of things, or there's a lot of things that I'm like cynical about, or all these things like within my friend group that have just become jokes over the years. Uh, and so you've heard probably us throw the word Ritz bits around. Uh, you've heard us throw uh, just different terms around. One that I know that a lot of y'all aren't going to agree with, but I this is just like, this is as far as my cynicism goes. I hate the who saved who puppy paw print that goes on, on cars where it's like, you, you, you adopted a dog, but really who saved who? Like, the dog saved me, and it's like, all right, okay, it's an animal, it's awesome, but like, really who saved who? Um, or the ultimate one that I think has kind of stood the test of time, or no, another one is uh, <laughs> me and Bryce love to say that somebody has made a blank of themselves. And that blank is literally anything. Like it could be you're a McDonald's of yourself or you're, you're a Chick-fil-A of yourself and, and, and it just means whatever it means in that time. But the one that is truly stood the test of time that I think is so funny and so stupid is the house divided. So the house divided is you'll see like license plates or like flags with like house divided on it. It'll have like, and you'll see like normal ones. You'll see like ones that say like Florida, Florida State or, uh, you know, Georgia and Georgia Tech, and you'll see these kind of like rivalry schools. But at one point, we started seeing like these non-existent rivalries, like not even like the same sports. Like we would see like Manchester United and Jaguars house divided, or like house divided um, Hillary Clinton and uh, the color green. Like it just, none of these things made sense. And so it became this huge joke to make fun of the house divided. And my title tonight on what I'm talking about is just that, house divided. Because the truth is, is that all of us have a division within our household, the division within ourselves. There's a war between two forces going on inside of us, between God and the devil. And I say the devil because I don't want to even shade around any of the details from the very beginning. Because I think in a lot of ways, um, we as American Christians almost kind of have this like Lord Voldemort mentality when it comes to the devil. Like, you just don't speak his name. You don't say he doesn't exist. If you don't address it, then he's not really there. But the fact of the matter is that he is there and that he is actively rooting against you. He's actively working against your relationship with God. And whether you buy into that or not, he's there. You know, I equate it to something like this. I equate it like to like gravity. If I disbelieve that gravity is real, it doesn't matter. If I step off the stage, I'm still going to fall because gravity impacts me whether I buy into gravity or not. And much similar to the devil, like gravity is actively rooting for me to be brought down. But me even standing up right now is an act of defiance against gravity. And my hope for tonight is that we would have a desire to actively defy the enemy's advances against us. Now, <clears throat> I think part of the issue uh, from the very beginning with that, with that reference that I gave with kind of the, the Voldemort mentality um, 
is that we would think too little of, of the enemy, that we uh, would disregard him as real, we would disregard him uh, as even existing. And that in there lies, uh, lies one of his like, greatest ploys, is to convince you that he's not there, to convince you uh, that he doesn't exist, that you don't have to worry about him, that his schemes, his desires, they won't affect you, just don't even address it because he's not there. But in that way, he can work out of the shadows. He can work out of a place of, uh, of you never kind of looking to him or blaming him or, or bringing attention towards him and actively, again, be working against you. Now, on the contrary to that, it's equally um, devastating uh, to focus too strongly on him, to focus like, man, I got to get better at this, I got to get better at that. Like, he's coming at me from here, so I got to stand strong there. And you get this mentality that, like, I got to do all of this stuff. I don't need God. It's on my own strength. I got def- to rely on me and to fight against the enemy. And again, that is another ploy from him that he hopes that you would buy into, that you would focus so much on him. Now, the problem with the latter, the problem with the idea that you'd focus so much on him is that the truth in Scripture is that God defeated, past tense, the devil. He defeated. He is, he is continually winning. He's continually advancing his love over the enemy's advances day in and day out. And so you stressing about the enemy is a stress that's not even valid in Scripture. It's not even valid in light of God's love. And then the issue with the former, with, with not even buying into him or thinking that he's real at all, like I said, is that he can just operate in shadow and have kind of unchecked uh, impact on your life. So the way that this shows <clears throat> itself in Scripture is in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And you can turn there now. It's on page 807. If you need a Bible, we have Bible hander outers. Raise your hand. And if y'all would, we need some Bible hander outers. Thank you. Just keep them up. So while they're getting those Bibles, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll talk about something different. So a big thing that I want to talk about tonight, too, or preface with tonight, too, is that uh, where I'm headed is going to get super heavy, super fast. And it's going to have you kind of looking to yourself in a way that's going to be very reflective and tough. Um, and ultimately, the hope of the entire evening is that you would understand that no matter what kind of comes to your mind or what you've dealt with before or what you're struggling with now, grace is greater. God's grace, God's love is greater than every single thing, every single mistake, every single mishap in our lives. So no matter what kind of begins to stir up in you tonight, just remind yourself that grace is better than that. So turning to 2 Corinthians, chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And the cool thing that I want to focus on tonight is that word strongholds. Now, the weapons that we have, and you can read it right there again in Scripture, it says, on the contrary... They have the divine power to demolish strongholds. And you might be asking yourself right now, what is a stronghold? Well, we talked about it in church this morning, and we're going to talk about it again here tonight. But a stronghold is essentially um, unchecked sin. It's, it's when sin matures to the point of, of, of being unnoticed, undealt with, uh, unaddressed, sin matures into a stronghold. 
A stronghold is an opportunity, quote, that, an opportunity for the enemy to continually pry and continue to advance in your life and continue to kind of pull at that thing that is a struggle or a stronghold in your life. Now, I think the tougher thing is, is being real with ourselves uh, and, and talking about kind of how they form. So they form from, as I said, it's, it's sin going unchecked. It's a pattern of, of missed decisions and um, missed ideas about what is God's desire for you. And they, they form because uh, the word talks about the enemy as being this great deceiver. And so in everything, the devil's desire is to get you to think differently than what God intended you to do or, or to believe in it almost to the same degree, but just twist enough of it around so that it, so that it cuts you out from under your legs. Now you see this uh, in, in scripture like in the garden when the devil, you know, talks to Eve and he's saying, you know, you're not surely will you die if you eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but, you know, you'll just become like God. And, and he kind of twists it on her. Or you see uh, also in scripture where Jesus, who had fasted for 40 days, is tempted in the desert with the devil coming to him. And, and he says, okay, well, if you're the son of God, this is the devil talking to Jesus saying, if you're the son of God and if you're hungry, why not just command that rock to become bread and eat? And what the devil was doing, and God knew because God was Jesus, Jesus was God, he was misquoting scripture to God. He was telling him, okay, you know, if you're hungry, you should just command this rock to become bread because that's what had happened when bread came down to uh, Moses in the desert and all the Israelites. But Jesus' response at that moment isn't one of, huh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, maybe I should eat. Jesus' response is to refute the enemy by correctly describing what scripture says. And he says, you know, that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word from the Lord. The devil goes on to tempt Jesus, and he, you know, he shows him all of the kingdoms, all of the, all of the whole entire world. And he says, you know, I will make you ruler of all of this. All you have to do is just bow to me. And, and again, Jesus denies him by correctly quoting scripture. And he takes him to the top of the cliff, and he says, you know, if you're Jesus, if you're the son of man, throw yourself from this cliff, and a whole host of angels will come and rescue you, won't they? And Jesus replies, you know, thou shalt not tempt the Lord. In all these ways, and from the very beginning, I think one of the easiest things that we miss is that our greatest, our greatest fight in the war against the enemy, the war against the devil, is the scripture, is the word that God has given. That's why he calls it a double-edged sword. That's why he calls it living and active. You know, I think a lot of times we, we have this mentality that I want to put my dukes up. I want to fight against the enemy. I can take them. I, I know that I'm strong enough in this area, and yet we don't even bring this whole host of armies of scriptures that he's given us. He's given us these for a reason, to use them, to fight against the enemy. So the devil is a great deceiver. He wants to twist around what, what God has intended you to do. That's why when we talk about uh, what we're about to get into, you know, that ultimately what the devil does is he just twists around the ways that God has designed you so that it ultimately hurts you. You know, things that you desire, things that you long for, those were built inside of you for a reason because God intended it to be that way. But God's intention in being that way was within the confines of his plan. And so that's why you see things like um, adultery where sex is, happens outside of marriage where that leads to tremendous pain. That's why you see, um, you know, things like uh, you wanting to be um, so 
much a better version of yourself that you're willing to do whatever it takes to please others, like you saw in the testimony video with, with Andrea. <clears throat> and so there are patterns that form over time. I think, um, I think a tough one, and, and my hope tonight is I'm just going to be real with y'all. Um, and so another way that these strongholds form is, is through pattern, through, like I talked about, the consistent um, mistakes, the consistent decisions in the wrong. And it might start like this, and so this is just an example. Uh, you know, you're a, you're a young guy, and your parents were in a movie, and y'all are watching as a family, and the movie, the guy and the girl get together, they fall in love, but then there's that one scene where it kind of toes the line of what's appropriate to show on television or on television screen. So you, you, know, you get uh, pressed up against the wall, a little bit of make-out, a little bit of uh, side cleavage, all that kind of stuff. Um, and you decide for yourself, hey, that was pretty cool. I enjoyed seeing that. I hope there's a way that I could see more of that. Uh, I wonder how I could see more of that. Okay, well, there is a computer. So you, then you say, okay, well, I can take it upon myself. I can, I can look up some things. I can find out what's, what else is out there. Um, and as soon as you begin to look at those things, you say, okay, well, pictures is, you know, pictures is lame. I want to see thousands of pictures in one collection. I want to see a video. I want to see slide after slide of, of all this action happening. I want to see what's going on with all the parts and everything that's getting covered up by the bathing suits. I want to, I want to know. And then it, it ultimately becomes, okay, well, I can't really be satisfied with the video anymore. I need the real thing. I need to experience this for me because that's where uh, satisfaction lies. And that becomes my other kind of, uh, it's so tough to deal with. Another great lie of the enemy is satisfaction. He wants to convince you that there is, there is an end goal where you're going to be fine and content at the end of blank. But as you just saw with that illustration, when he saw the first thing, you know, the movie, his desire was like, okay, well, I'll just be satisfied if I look it up on my own on the computer. Well, then he wasn't satisfied there. He saw some videos. He wasn't satisfied there, so he needed experience for himself. And so we have to be real with ourselves and understand that from the very beginning, there's no such thing as satisfaction outside of God. God's plan will satisfy us. God's plan will fulfill us. God's plan will completely make us content. But the devil wants us to convince us, well, no, hey, his stuff is good, but what I have for you is better. What I have for you is more satisfying. And that's why you just see this, this law of diminishing returns happen. Like, you just... You can't experience as much as you want to experience. You'll never be satisfied in the ways that the enemy has for you. I think another big one is um, of how these things are formed. Um, and this one is, I think, the most true for me. Is that we have a lack of repentance. We have a lack of, of real repentance. And I think far too often we just assume that repentance is acknowledgement. That Hey, I just have to say to God, hey, I'm, I messed up. That's me. When, in fact, repentance is, is certainly, yes, you owning it. Certainly, yes, you, you standing before God and claiming your mistake, claiming the way that you failed. But they talk about in Scripture that repentance is, it, it, there's an angst within you of wanting to turn from it. There's an angst within you that you have a desire to not return to that thing because it's brought you so much pain and turmoil knowing what it costs God. So I think for a lot of us, if we're being real, I've gotten to the point in my life where sin doesn't affect me, or I think that it doesn't affect me. And in that way, repentance is half-hearted. Repentance is, oh, well, I messed up today. I, you know, I got united on Sunday night, so I should be good by then, and I can go kind of back and kind of re-up on some grace there. 
Uh, but for right now, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm just kind of a bad kid for the moment, but I'm, I'm going to get some forgiveness on Sunday. But that's just that's a horrible mentality to have. And that re- true repentance is, like I said, that you would you not only see the things that you've messed up in, but you'd have a desire for change. Another big one that I see happen um, in myself is that strongholds are formed through justification. That we convince ourselves that we're an outlier. We convince ourselves that my situation is different, my situation is unique, you know, or um, I didn't go as far as she did, uh, I didn't say as much as he did. Um, what I'm struggling with is not as big of a deal as what they're struggling with. And we justify with ourselves, like, okay, so it's okay that I do this one thing because uh, they're doing much worse things. Or maybe for a lot of the guys in this room, it's okay that I do what I do behind a closed door when it's just me because that only affects me. And what a tremendous lie that is from the enemy to convince you that things that happen by yourself only affect you. When time and time again we see that pour out into other relationships and you see um, you become short-tempered and uh, angry and just like have this kind of like just discontent. So knowing, knowing how they're formed, knowing that they're, they're caused from a pattern of misdecision, knowing that there's all these different ways that the enemy is trying to convince you that it's okay um, and knowing all this. My fear is that for a lot of y'all, you have a, a sense of, well, why should I fight? If, if this is a stronghold, if this is something I've dealt with for a while, isn't that just me? Isn't that just how I'm going to be for the rest of my life? But it's not true. You see, because the situation I described earlier was me. And I hate being in front of y'all and telling y'all that I've struggled with with lust and sexual impurity. But I'm not going to stand here and pretend that I haven't. Because in that way, when we begin to hide the things, I mean, that's another huge example of what a stronghold looks like in your life. If you're unwilling to share it with somebody else, if you're trying to keep it within yourself and hide it and like say, okay, well... I don't really need to deal with that because that's just too much to deal with, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. And all these ways, that's just him trying to convince you. And so that was me. That was me. I was the kid that, you know, started down this road where I thought satisfaction lied at the next destination and the next destination. And now I'm dealing with the decisions that I made in relationships that today I regret wholeheartedly. And the, the way that I exist in with relationships now as a more mature guy in no way reflect the way that I handled myself in, re- in relationships when I was just convincing myself, well, oh, it's just hormones, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a guy, I gotta, you know, it's, the time is now, I gotta, you know, all these different ways. So the why fight is, first of all, because it's, it's impacting you. It's challenging you, it's changing you. The devil is doing this because he's, like I said, he wants you to not look to God. You know, he wants you to be so down on yourself, he wants you to be so reminded of all these different failures, that your desire is not to run to God in his grace, but to hide from God and assume that his grace isn't good enough. We want to fight because eternity begins now. We, we miss this so much. Eternity has already began for you. If you call yourself a Christian, eternity has already started. We too often think 
that heaven is the destination, that we just live this life to arrive at heaven. When in fact, if eternity is forever and forever starts when Jesus' forgiveness pours over our life, then eternity has already started. And so what would it look like for us to have a mentality of like, okay, I want to honor God with this eternity because we are currently in this eternity. I want to honor God with my decisions. I want to honor God with my actions. I want to honor God with, with my relationships and the ways that I meet other people and, and kind of present myself. Another reason why we fight him is because the devil's desire is to keep you caught up in this. If he can keep you caught up in feeling crappy, if he can keep you caught up and continue to return to this sin and feel like, oh, I'm, just, I'm always going to be this way, then in that way he keeps you out of God's plan. He keeps you out of a, of a mentality of like, okay, I'm just going to go and share this great love in Jamaica or Albany or in Jacksonville or around the world or by school. Like, if you're self-defeating of how many things you messed up with in the past week, then it's very difficult to say God is great, God is good, I love him so much, thank you, and like you should know him too if you're dealing with all that within yourself. Another, another reason why we fight is uh, the title of my message tonight was A House Divided. And I got that idea from uh, Abraham Lincoln uh, who said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. Um, and it's a very powerful perspective to have. Because truly, as I said at the beginning, there's two forces at war within your soul, within your spirit, within your person, the devil and God. And both of them want to win you. Both of them want to win you. The devil wants to win you so that you don't get to go to God, so that God doesn't get you. And God wants to win you because he so greatly loves you. You know, it's funny that I even, when I was talking about this, or when I was preparing for this, I realized that in truth, before we knew God, we were certainly fully his enemy. Our act of sin, our act of, of acting outside of God's plan divided us from God. And so when God did what he did, which was to lay down his life, lay down his son, lay down himself for us, at that moment, we were actively against him. We were on the devil's side. And yet his love was so great that he was willing to lose the battle. I mean, he's God. He could have literally just said, I'm perfect, y'all are imperfect, Bye, and just wiped everything away. But no, he, he, he longed to be with his creation. He longed to be with us. And so he did something that defied logic, defied any other experience. And a king laid down his life for us. Another reason why we fight them, and another example of this, of the, of the division within ourselves, is you've probably heard the analogy of uh, you know, that there's a war within me between these two animals. These two dogs are fighting within me. And the one that wins is the one that you feed. And so one of the whys tonight is that you would begin to feed yourself with God because what you've been feeding yourself with and what the devil's been convincing you to feed yourself with is him. And what you need to start feeding yourself with is God. So our response tonight is going to be um, a tough one, because uh, I'm going to ask y'all to be vulnerable and real with yourselves. Uh, under seat, you probably had this, or there's probably one around you. You'll all need one.
And what this is going to look like is I'm going to have y'all write down your stronghold. You know, for some of you out there, and if you have the book, the, the Rooted Devotion that we've been going through, there's a whole list of examples of different struggles, different strongholds. And I just have a few here. So I mean, for some of y'all, maybe the stronghold is idolatry. Maybe it's, it's thinking of things more than you're thinking of him. You're desiring uh, popularity. You're desiring, desiring money. You're desiring power. You're desiring, desiring things more than you're desiring, desiring, goodness, the God that created them. Maybe for you, as the example I gave, your stronghold is sexual impurity. That you're, you're desiring intimacy so much because God designed it for you, but you're willing to, to sacrifice that intimacy for instant gratification. That you're willing to, to compromise what God created to be so perfect so that you can just have it now. Maybe your stronghold is that. Maybe your stronghold is just heaviness. Maybe you think to yourself right now, Cole, I can't even begin to look to God because I just lost a loved one to this sickness. I'm dealing with this sin. And how could I ever look up to a God when all of this is bearing down on me? Or maybe your, your, your stronghold is acceptance. Oh, <clears throat> more so, rejection. Maybe you have this fear of rejection. And so that causes you to behave in a manner that you probably wouldn't choose to behave in because it's what others want you to do. Or maybe it's uh, a lack of self-worth. You don't think of yourself of value as valuable because you've seen yourself rejected by people or things or time and time again. Now, the truth of all of this and the truth of all of them that you're experiencing or that are in the book as well is that God is greater. Like I said at the beginning, grace is so much greater. But I want us to be real enough to actually write it down. Actually write down the stronghold that you have in your life. Now, the reason why we're going to write them down, and I think that a lot of y'all right now, and, and Ryan kind of talked about this morning, is that your desire right now is not to write down the real thing. I'm going to put down something that's a little bit more normal, or a little bit more light, or a little bit more okay if somebody else reads off my paper. But that in there lies another time where the enemy is trying to immediately convince you. Because right now he's squirming. He hates that we're talking about this. He hates that right now you're about to shine a light on an area that he's been working on to, to ultimately consume you. And so don't buy into that. Don't buy into this notion that I can't share what I'm really struggling with. So please, please, please be open, be vulnerable. So in the front of it, I want you all to write that. I want you to write stronghold that stronghold that you're dealing with. And you can be as descriptive as possible. If you want to go into detail about the ways that you've seen it happen, the ways that you know that the enemy is consistently attacking you, write it all down. And then for some of you, uh, on the back side, we want you all to put, maybe if you've come through that, if God has brought you through a stronghold, then I want you to share the stronghold, and I also want you to share the way that God has brought you through it. On the back side. Now, if you're still in the middle of it, just you can leave the back side blank. That's fine. And then possibly the toughest of all is I want you to put your name on it. I want you to put your name on it because you're unwilling to let the enemy continue to operate in shadow. You're unwilling to let the devil continue to do so in a way that keeps you um, pushed down or fearful of, of God's grace not being good enough for anything. And I want you to put your name on it. The reason being, like I just said, is because we, we don't want to give any power to him because he has no power. But the other reason is that um, 
several weeks from now, we're going to use a lot of y'all's stories to celebrate in the ways that God has brought y'all through tremendous, tremendous times. Now, I work for the church, and I work for student ministry, and every single week, we pray over the things that y'all are praying for. And so I know that a lot of y'all are dealing with some very real stuff. And so I know that God right now is, is pleading with you to be real. My final thought is this. A stronghold forms, like I said, from a pattern of incorrect decisions, of, of acting outside of God's plan. And so my other fear is that tonight, you're going to be on this tremendous, tremendous point of relief because you were willing to own up to something that God had, or that God had been trying to get you to own up to for some time. Now, I'll say that because it was the experience that I had. I uh, was in a relationship in college that was uh, by no means honoring of God. And it caused a divide between me and my relationship with God. And ultimately, I ended the relationship because I felt so distant. And all the decisions that I made in that relationship, I still deal with today. I still struggle with today. I still feel like, how could I have handled myself in that way and still called myself a solid Christian guy? But ultimately, the point of which I felt like tremendous grace, tremendous forgiveness, tremendous just relief was years later, I met back up with her and just poured out everything, poured out all of the ways that I'd messed up, owned all of it, acknowledged all of it, apologized for all of it. In that moment, I felt like this tremendous sense of like relief and grace and like, oh man, what a weight has been off my shoulders. But I could tell that only weeks later, it started creeping back. And so while this is a habit, like I said, that is strongholds are formed over a long period of time, in the same way, God's victory in these strongholds, God ridding you of these strongholds, might take a long period of time. It might take consistent, correct decisions. It might take you continually honoring God with the choices that you make. Ryan said this again this morning. Temptation is temptation because it is desirable. But God also says that he's never going to give us more than we can bear. And that temptation represents the fork in the road where we have the moment to choose either God or the enemy. It's not like we're already down this road when temptations happen and we have to like backtrack to get to God. We're standing at the crossroads and God has said that he's already given us the, he's already given us the power to choose him in those moments. And so tonight might be just the beginning for a lot of y'all to be working on these strongholds. Now I stand here today and I'll say that there's still hiccups when it, in regards to um, my sexual purity. But far and away and way more than ever do I stand before you right now as a man who is sexually pure in his actions and in his conduct because of what God has moved in me. And so if you're saying to yourself, I've struggled with this my whole life already, how am I going to ever rid myself of this? I was in that same place. I figured this was just my lot in life. But it's not the case. and It doesn't have to be the case for y'all. And so as we play this final song, or as we play this, this song um, in this kind of time, as we're going to just listen to this little bit of music on Spotify, uh, I want y'all to come and leave them up at the altar. And I, like I said, I just want you to, and if you need to pause and pray over it, do so. Uh, if you want to pray with your leaders, uh, we'll have leaders on the sides. Um, but just use this time, and like I said, just be willing to be vulnerable. And uh, I'll, I'm going to pray, and then we'll do it. <laughs> uh, Heavenly Father God,
I pray that right now, God, that you'd be working on our hearts. God, that you would be desiring to see us change, uh, God, more than ever. God, and that we would respond to your desire, God, with, with strength, with uh, a willingness to step forward and be real. And uh, God, I pray ultimately, God, that this leads to us honoring you with our life. Grace is greater. Grace forgives us no matter what. It's not about how far we've gone or what we've done because grace defeats it anyway. But God, it's about honoring you with our lifestyle, God, honoring you with our choices because in so doing, God, we draw closer to you. We draw closer to you. God, it's in your name that we pray all these things. Amen. Come as you're ready.